Greetings, friends. Future Andrew here, dropping into these past episodes to tell you thanks. Thanks for checking out RTAF. If you're valuing the show as a wellspring of inspiration and artistic fuel and would like to help keep the show going, you can find out more about how to do that at patreon.com slash podcast. Every little bit adds up and keeps me inspired to bring you quality content on a consistent basis. Thanks for listening, and stay creative. Greetings and welcome to another episode of RCAF Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Norris, and I just wanted to give a big shout out here at the top to everyone who's still rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling their friends about this podcast. It really means a lot, and it really helps the show get out there into the creative consciousness of the world. So thank you. Also, I still have the NFT I collaborated on with Ali Grimm up on OpenSea. It's available for 0.123 Ethereum. So the price is going to fluctuate depending on the price of Ethereum. But it is the full audio-video podcast that we did where in the video you get to see Ali remix the RCAF logo and she makes it look way cooler and she even added some animation after the fact so you get that animation mp4 you get the full audio video and you basically have the certificate of authenticity there that that is the one of one there is the video up on YouTube but with this NFT, I added an extra little bit in there so that you will know it is different from what you can find on the internet. And we think this might be the first of its kind. Not that it's a the first podcast NFT or the first art podcast NFT, but that it is the first NFT that includes audio and video. Plus you get to watch the making of the NFT, <laughs> which is the MP4 on that video. So it's pretty heckin' meta, guys. I think it's uh, super cool. So you might want to jump on it, especially uh, if you love this podcast and you want to support. And if you got some Ethereum laying around and you're a, a new NFT collector. So this week's guest is Natasha Chomko, who goes by Postwook which is an amazing name that suits her amazing art. She's a digital photo collage maestra. She combines uh, like photos of nature into this amazing, surreal, dreamy, ethereal aesthetic that really makes you want to get out there, it makes you want to live there. And while you can't yet live in uh, those worlds, you can be inspired to go out on a hike or, you know, just to get outside and enjoy this wonderful world we live in. In this episode, we talk a lot about a routine and kind of setting boundaries for yourself. Uh, Natasha's really, really good at this. We also talk about being consistent on Instagram. 
She hasn't missed a day in a long time, and I'll he- I'll let you guys hear how long that's actually been in this episode. It's pretty impressive, to be honest, as someone who literally won't post anything at this point unless it's new. I am uh, I'm blown away by it. It's pretty cool. We also talk about coming up uh, in the festival scene, how she got her name post-Wook, how she came up with that concept, and her former life as a political operative, which might sound like she was in the CIA, but she wasn't. Or was she? Anyways, guys, let's get into it. Here is Post. 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 Wook. 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 a simple photoshop with the like normal rtaf font logo and then i just but like did transparent logos and moved them slightly off so it looks a little glitchy i love it no i think sometimes the simplest ideas are the best so for sure yeah i mean i also don't really know shit about photoshop um i'm learning but uh i knew enough to you know do the fuck with the opacity on the layers and you know stagger them out yeah yeah it took me some time to learn photoshop but once i figured it out it was like oh this is actually really cool and helpful (laughs) you know but it took some time yeah for sure yep um so how are you doing good i'm gonna do not disturb my phone so no one bothers us um well i have mine on silence so i'll just turn it over (laughs) Turn it over there. Sometimes even silent to me is just not silent enough. (laughs) It comes through. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I've found like if it's on silent and I turn it over, then I won't, you know, it won't light up with all those danged clubhouse notifications. (laughs) I had to turn those off. And anyone who's like not an artist and who follows me, I'm like, please just turn off your clubhouse notifications or unfollow me because you're about to get so many notifications that like, you know, people are popping into rooms and stuff. And like, I'm on clubhouse all the time. So I feel like I spend so much time just like hanging out and like people just get notified. I didn't realize people got notifications for that, but they do. Like if you go into a room, they get a notification that's like, Oh, like so-and-so is in the room. And you're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like literally everyone you follow, if they ever go into a room at all, it seems like they sent, clubhouse sends you a notification that's insane yeah i had to uh i had to take a couple days off past two days any Uh, reason well i was just busy doing stuff like i dropped a uh a collaboration with some of my friends and we were nearly sold out of prints today so that's great hell yeah that's awesome yeah yeah that's a good feeling i know that feeling yeah 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 well, sweet. Thanks for being on the podcast. I've had a recording um, pretty much the whole time, but uh, I'll probably chop no, off a little yeah. bit of the first bit. But anyway, thanks for being on. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> for sure. Um, so I don't really, you know, we've met like once and we've talked on Clubhouse a little bit, but I don't yes. really know your backstory. Um, 
Could you well, could you break down like how you came to be creating as an artist? Yeah. So for me, um, I did not go to art school. I did not get any like formal training. Even the idea of a critique. I mean, I know that's why they do them in school, but that scares me. Um, I'm sure that's part of the reason they do it to get over that fear. But um, I was just always really creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to like theater camp as a kid. And then like I started building like theater sets and doing costume design. I like made my own clothes for a little bit, not like exclusively, but I could, you know, I learned how to like alter stuff pretty well. And um, I just needed a creative outlet for like most of my life. Um, And then like I got to high school and like continued to be creative and through college. And then when I finally got a full-time job that wasn't creative, I felt it. And I didn't realize that I didn't, I didn't realize what I had until I didn't have it. Right. This creative output. I didn't even have the authority to create the flyers for the events that I was doing. So, so what were like you, at my what, job. Yeah, what were you doing for a job? So I went to college for political science and history and I started working um, on a, I worked, a, I like worked and I was in school while I was in college. That was like the way that I did things. Um, and I eventually landed a job because I graduated in college in 2017 and Um, It was a very bad year for being a Democrat in Washington, Mm D.C., because there was a unified Republican government. And unfortunately, like jobs just weren't really like fluid the way that they normally would be. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, like all the people who were like, oh, I got you, like we would love to have you in our office, like as soon as the the Clinton White House like goes through, like Mm -hmm. we're all going to leave. So none of those people left. Right. So these people that are way overqualified for these like entry mid-level jobs just like didn't leave. And like I just had nothing to do. There was a hiring freeze. So like I couldn't even apply for jobs in the federal government, which ended up all this ended up being great because then I got this job on a campaign and I hated it because I had no creative outlet. And it's like that would have happened anywhere. But um, I realized like, oh, my God, like I don't like this. Yeah. And um, it seems stressful. was it? it? It's extremely stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Being, um, being a political operative is, it's a very stressful job. It's very, um, it's very high, strong. Um, I can venture and confidently say it was very toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's just like, it's not, it's not fun. So, um, I got that job and I hated it. Like from the get go, just hated it. Like I had to go to a, um, I had to go on a business trip with my boss to New York and I was like fresh out of college. Like I didn't know how to budget and they yeah. were like having me like take all these Ubers everywhere. And like, I had to take that out of my own account and I was getting, um, I was getting reimbursed, but like there got to a point where like I Ubered to the wrong place at like five in the morning for a fundraiser yeah. and I ran out of money. Oh, and I no. had to call my manager and I was like, look, I have no money. Like I, I can't, he's like, you're going to get reimbursed. And I was like, no, I don't think you understand. Like I have negative $15 in my bank account right now. Dang. And, um, I was crying. I'm in New York city and like, it was so stressful. And it's just like, that was like the second week on the job. Right. Mm-hmm. So that just, that, and that, that's kind of, that kind of set the stage. Um, that happened a few more times. And it's just like, they kind of expect you to, there's like this, it's like this in art too, but there's like this air of privilege where it's just like, we need you to do this. And yeah, you'll get reimbursed, but like, you might have to front like 1500 bucks. And it's like, not everyone can do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
so that was difficult but yeah I just like lacked this creativity in there um so I just like kind of like you I was just like I opened photoshop one day and um nothing really made sense because I had like made art in the past like especially like collage art but like I'm like sitting there on photoshop and I'm like how does this work? How do I do this? You know, and um, I didn't understand anything. Uh, the one thing I did do that day was I successfully like filled like content aware fill, like a pattern. Mm-hmm. And I made the whole, and I was like, wow, this is magical, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but I learned it over time. I taught myself those really annoying like YouTube videos that are like way too fast and have that weird music that should be really uplifting makes you frustrated because you don't understand what's happening yeah it's like it's like stock pop music or something like that yes (laughs) there's always fast yeah and there's always like someone whistling (laughs) I don't know always yeah and then there's and then they don't talk the entire video so like you have to watch and then it's like the thing that I've learned with Photoshop, though, is mm. like there are multiple ways to do different things. Yeah. So sometimes what happens in those videos, especially now, is like someone will just do something completely differently than I will. So even though what they're doing makes sense, it like is really confusing for me because I'm like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait how do they do that? And it's just like, mm. so you like learn the way that you do it. But for me, it was just like a lot of trial and error in the beginning. Yeah. Um. And eventually I started making some pieces that I thought were cool, but I was really caught up in the um, copyright aspect of that. Uh, yeah, I don't have yeah. to get too much into that, but I was like, what can I put on the internet? Because when I made collages out of newspapers and magazines, it was like, okay, this is a magazine. Like this right. has been distributed. This is not, this was for me, you know, it wasn't like I was selling them. So I wasn't really concerned about that. But then once I started putting these things on the internet, like commercial aspects aside, even yeah, just like, I was like, what can I get away with? So I had to learn all that stuff before I got comfortable enough to actually like tell people that I was putting it on the internet. Yeah. Um, and then I did. And that was like 20 July of 2018. Um, yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. There's a, there's a Marshall McLuhan quote that's, it goes something like art is what you can get away with. And Ooh, just, I like that. Yeah, I do too. Um, so did you run into any problems with like photos that you were using or um, um, like copyright issues at all or no? Well, in the beginning, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what DPI was. I didn't know like pixel sizes. Like I didn't know that like if you take a photo if you take a screenshot of a photo from like Instagram that like it's going to be really like grainy like I just didn't know and it sounds so embarrassing but like I want to say this in case like someone's listening and they don't know these things like it's okay yeah um you know like I didn't know And, and so I was just like in the beginning like using photos like before I looked at all the copyright stuff I was like using photos from like Instagram and I like tried to make a piece with like Hillary Clinton's face from like a Google image. It's never been made. So don't come after me. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I just like, I just found all these photos. And then what happened, it was like a double edged sword of like, I needed higher quality photos, and they needed to be royalty free. So there's a lot of websites that are basically like free stock photos that like photographers are so generous to just let people use and there's no copyright attached to it and they're really high res. So it's like, it kind of clarified both issues. Um, and I could see the difference. Like I would be like zoomed into these photos and one would be super blurry and the other one wouldn't. And I was like, okay, 
like the different layers. And I was like, I need to make more of them look good. Like they can't all have this because then it just looks bad. If half the picture is blurry. So it right. kind of fixed itself. But um, what what's that? I, uh, sorry, what's that website called? Or that there's a lot. There's okay. a lot of different websites. So okay. um, what I would actually recommend if anyone is like, I don't know where to find photos is literally just type in royalty free photos um free or something mm -hmm. and you'll find different websites like you might find a website i've never even used and if you do just holler because i'll <laughs> i'll be happy to have it <laughs> but then i learned like other things like creative commons laws like some photos that like i think it's like the um the moma they like have a whole database and it's all photos of images that they own that were created well before copyright existed mm -hmm. that like they have said like you can use this. And let me just preface, I'm not a lawyer. This is all just what I've learned as an artist. Yeah, this is um, not uh, legal advice. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and those those images have been cool because sometimes, like, they're really cool, like, subject matter that, like, you couldn't get because it's an oil painting, you know, but it's from, like, 1790. Right. Um, and that can be cool. I There's also fair use. Um, I don't really mess with fair use too much just because I am a little more cautious. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've seen people with the fair use stuff where like, they'll use old like book covers and they'll do like, if they trace it, it like works and things like that. Where like, I just don't really get into it. Cause like, I don't want to find myself in like a copyright issue. So I sure. play it safe, but some people don't have to. And then there's like the 30% rule if it's like transformative and, you know, just like if someone were to sue you, but, mm. um, I was super scared about all that in the beginning. I was like, because I'm not drawing it. And then it created this like crazy imposter syndrome of like, I'm not even making this. Am I even an artist? Yeah. Um, how do, which was how painful. Do you, how do you counteract? Like, cause I think every artist has this or a version of this in their own head, like the imposter syndrome thing. Um, it's either that or just some crazy inner critic that just, you know, is so harsh and, doesn't give you any room to move. Um, do you have any like uh, methods for like counteracting that voice in the head? Well, I would consider myself a double winner in this department. I think <laughs> I have both. Um, <sighs> I the imposter syndrome thing for me, like a lot of it stems from like things people have said to me, mm. but not because they planted the seed it's the confirmation of the thoughts I already had. So it's not yeah. that that person set the ball rolling. I did. I believed that at some point in my life, I'm not an artist because I can't draw. And then one person who had, didn't have their best intentions saying what they were going to say to me would say that. And I would be like, my brain would be like, look, see, they're right. You're wrong. You suck. Yeah. Um, so noticing that has been really helpful and realizing that like, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. You don't have to latch onto it. Right. And um, it's totally okay to do something different. And then I try to remember how people from the art world previous to us have gotten away with things. Right. Um, do you think Andy Warhol was sitting there wondering if he was an artist or not? Right. No. Do you right. think that Jackson Pollock was like, am I an artist? Like, no. What about Rothko? No, those people knew that they were artists and they were doing something different and it's totally okay. And I think the more that we move into this like digital space, of course, people who, you know, aren't in the digital world and don't create digital art are going to be like, well, what you're doing is an art. I mean, think about how DJs have been called yeah. not musicians by people who play instruments for decades. It's yeah. like, no, it's just, it's, yeah. it's, to me, it's the same thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, totally. 
I just, yeah, I try to remind myself that what I'm doing is, is different and it's newer because it's digital. And of course people are just going to have their opinions, but they don't really matter. So mm-hmm. it's a process. I'm going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and say that like, I don't have imposter syndrome. Like I totally do. I think we all do. Yeah. Um, and I love clubhouse because it gives us the ability to talk about that sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, in a yeah. way that we don't get to a lot with other artists. So, yeah. 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 Um, that can just be like just a lot to deal with. Like I know that artists sometimes have a lot, um, a lot on their plate anyway. And then add on to that, like the fact that the artist's life can be somewhat like isolating. And um, yeah, I guess like, I just, I'm just curious, how do you, how do you go about uh, maintaining like good mental health or hygiene? That's a really good question. So I don't leave my apartment. Um, I live in a loft, so I don't even have any walls. So I just live in this little box. Mm-hmm. Um, literally. <laughs> um, Where are you living? I live downtown Los Angeles. So I live okay. in LA. It's, it's super sunny. I can crack a window. I get like south facing sun. So it's like, I definitely get my vitamin D. Nice. Um, but I make my own coffee. I make my own food. I work out in my bedroom. Right. So it's just like, I don't really need to leave and I work here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is really important for me to have boundaries with that, right? Because I don't have walls. So my studio space, my desk, my living room and my bed are all like partitioned off, right? So like, I don't go into my studio and I'm not working. I don't go into my bed when I'm supposed to be like working. You know what I mean? It's like I separate life and work pretty well. And like, they're on the opposite ends of the room. And I did that very intentionally because like I wanted my life, like my bedroom to be my life. And then I wanted my work to be my work. And then the living room's in the middle and it's, it is like the perfect like gray area of like, I will sometimes like work on the couch and I'll like get on clubhouse, which like I do consider working. It's like more fun work, but Mm. it is work. Um, I'll do that on the couch. Yeah. So it's like that gray area. So I have things like physically separated in my space. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I have like mental boundaries. Um, I like have all these different alarms on my phone. Like at 9.03 PM, a whole bunch of my apps lock, like my email um, and a whole bunch of other things just so I don't check my email late at night. At 11 PM, my phone goes completely D&D. So even like text messages, like if I don't, if someone texts me something like late at night because they're anxious or something, or if like someone I'm working with, like gets in touch, like I don't have to answer it. Cause I don't even see it. Yeah. Um, because what I've learned is that sometimes all the time with people that you work with and just in general, you can't control other people, but you can control yourself. So I do a lot to protect my space right. because I don't know what's going to be on the outside. Um, totally. I totally. thrive on routine. That's the one thing that's my secret. Um, I thrive on routine. Like I need to work out in the morning. I go on hikes. I do leave my apartment. I'm not going to say I never leave. I leave on the weekends. Definitely always to go on a hike. I go on a hike by myself. It's very refreshing. It's the time I get to like think to myself and think about stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really important to me. And I'm a really big fan of taking baths at night and I Mm. read a book and I light some candles or I'll listen to music. I'll never get on clubhouse. Um, I have a rule, no, no clubhouse in the bath. Um, just because that's my me time to kind of like hang out with like my inner child. That's honestly what it is. Yeah. Um, cause I, yeah. So I, 
do a lot of things to keep my brain kind of working because um, I'm actually rereading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And he talks about this, like Mm -hmm. with artists, the creative, um, the creative flow comes from like the quietest places in your mind. And like, if I'm not in a place to find that quiet, then like it's the creative output just isn't going to be as genuine. And to me, like that's what matters. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I was definitely going to ask you about your routine. Um, like I'm just, I'm always curious with people who are like high performers, um, like what their routine is like. Cause I mean, I'm uh, slowly over the past, like two or three years, I've started to kind of get into a routine, but I'm still very like improv whenever inspiration strikes, I'm like ready. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think like a better way to uh, structure your life and s- structure your relationship to art is to have some kind of routine. And I was just curious, like what that's like, like what time you wake up, do you, do you have like set hours where you're just working and then you're like, okay, I'm done working and you stop. Kind of. Mm-hmm. So I work in like, think like Neapolitan ice cream. It's like three layers, mm-hmm. right? That's how I divide up my day. So I wake up and I have like the first layer, which is the time where like, I'll do the fun stuff to me, the fun stuff. Like I'll, um, I schedule all of my like social media posts. So that's never a part of my day because it's too stressful for me. So I've just automated that process. Um, So that usually goes up before I wake up. Um, So I wake up and I'll like answer DMs and stuff from, from like, followers and I'll answer um just like little things like that I'll like figure out what I need to do for my day uh just like if I have anything like I live and die by like a google Google calendar Mm -hmm. um and like I'll do like a few little things like that like I'll check my email if it's something that I can't just like respond to is like hey that sounds good I won't respond to it I just like am at that place where I I don't need to like compulsively like it, it works itself out Um, and I usually will, that usually takes about like 45 minutes. Then I usually wake up, I meditate, I work out. And then, um, a big part of my routine is actually like my skincare routine. Cause it's like a big part of my day. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like the beginning, like that is my bookend. Right. So like that happens after the first layer of work, Yeah. but that's like the signifier that we're moving into like the transition. So then I work out, which is like my first break of the day. Um, mm-hmm. And I eat breakfast and I usually get back to work around like 11, 10, 30, 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I used to consider my working time from like 10, 30, 11 to like 6, 30 or 7 ish. Mm-hmm. Like I used to be like, that's the only time that I work because that's when I'm traditionally working, sitting at my desk, you know, making yeah. the art, um, crossing things off the to do list. But like, that's not the that's just the bulk of it. That's not all of it. Um, and then I usually have to like go around like six or seven ish. Um, and then I like decompress. That's when I eat dinner. Um, and then after that I'll either pre clubhouse, I (laughs) spent that time like scheduling (laughs) posts or like adding finishing touches to things. Um, maybe like calling a friend, uh, or like doing things for myself, you know, like that's when I take a bath. That's when I, you know, like, hang out with a friend or something. But, um, now with clubhouse, usually what happens is it split between that and then like spending time on clubhouse, which is like networking and like talking to other artists and trying to kind of like really like build meaningful connections with people. 
Um, so it get, and that usually ends anywhere between like, like I'll get back on my back to work around like eight. And that ends anywhere between like eight and midnight usually. Cause mm-hmm. all my apps shut down at midnight. So I have to manually go back if I want to keep going. So it actually makes me stop and think like, okay, you've been on clubhouse since mm-hmm. X time. Yeah. Do you want to stay? Cause you just got locked out of the, you just got like pushed out of the room. Do you want to get off? Or do you want to keep going? And I can like check in with myself. Um, That's something that's really important to me. It's like, I listen to myself when I don't want to do something. I don't do it. Yeah. Um, But I usually make art during the day. Sometimes at night, sometimes I'll make art while I'm on clubhouse. Like I'll just like hang out, make art. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I find that's kind of hard for me to like make art while I'm on clubhouse because I have to keep reaching over and either muting or unmuting the mic. Um, and sometimes the conversations are just so interesting that it it sort of pulls my attention away. And sometimes yes. it, it's just fun, like goofball shit, which I'm definitely here for. Uh. <laughs> I don't get into any informative rooms at night. Like those, yeah, yeah. just cause you're, you're right. Like if I want to be listening like intently, like I'm not going to be making good art if any, for but sure. like, I mean, my, my process is so like, it's so interesting because like it takes some prep it's like the best way I could describe it is like how a kitchen, like in a restaurant preps, right? It's like yeah. you have your prep team that comes in, they wash all the vegetables, they cut everything. Right. And then it's like, it might sit there for a little bit. Like when I like find layers and cut them out, like they might sit in my hard drive for weeks, months, you know, nice. then the nice. chef comes in and <laughs> makes the food. Right. Yeah. Then that, but that process is not the whole process. Right. Like if someone were to ask that chef, like how long did it take you to come up with this recipe? They're not going to say five minutes to assemble. Right. So sometimes when people ask me, they're like, oh, you have so much output. I'm like, kind of, but it takes a lot of time, yeah, yeah. you know, because it's like I have to find all these things and then I have to put them together and then they have to look OK. And then I have to like, like put the finishing touches on it, which is like Lightroom balancing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I have to like sleep on it usually to figure out if it needs something else um so that all just takes time the assembly part i can usually do on clubhouse because i already have the idea in my head usually but it does things that could have taken me 10 minutes take 30 (laughs) yeah you know it's a longer stretch right (laughs) you're like oh i've got something to say and then you kind of lose the thread on whatever you're working on you know um but it seems like you're really really good at like setting boundaries not only for like your routine but like even with like like getting distracted by apps and stuff and even like important emails like i think that i kind of want to touch back on that because like i think it's it's really tempting to want to like be either networking or responding to anyone who's who's hitting you up because of the um fomo of like missed opportunities i guess um yeah, I don't know exactly where I was going with that, but it, it, I just wanted to like highlight that again and maybe put a couple asterisks by it because it's like so important because I, I've noticed that my energy is depleted from things like that. And oftentimes like it'll just kind of be a dead end or something that didn't like pan out maybe the way that you thought it would. So I have a friend who says you are allowed to change your mind at any time. Mm -hmm. And I do think, you know, 
that's add your own nuance to that however you need to. But I do think that like sometimes like I've been in situations with people and um, even like with clients and stuff where they're like, I really, really want to do this. And like, we're on the phone and it's really exciting and like energy is matched. And then later I come back and I'm like, I don't think I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. And it's like totally okay to change your mind. And I think that that is like the reason that I can kind of, I don't like to put myself in positions that like will make me later frustrated. Like that's kind of my thing with like art in general. Like I don't like to do things that like are just going to piss me off. I mean, sometimes it's a growth thing or it's like, but that feels different than like I'm intentionally making this try to work. That's not working. You know, sometimes it's like we go through things that are frustrating for no other reason than just to be, you know, just to learn but like sometimes it's like no i completely brought this upon myself mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which i think can be turned into a growth situation but um i do think that like i always like to think you know like you can change your mind at any time it's yeah i've definitely been through a bunch of that like being like oh do you want to come to this festival for free and uh <laughs> you know and maybe you'll sell some work and Sometimes it's so funny though, like the whole um, festival scene. And I want to get, I want to get to your name too here, like mashing these two things together, where it's like, but with the festival scene, it's like sometimes it really, really pays off, and you're like, fuck yeah, and then other times you're like, I should have seen that this wasn't gonna be like beneficial to me in a way that I needed right now. And it's all situational because like for me, if I'm doing well uh, monetarily and I'm like, this thing looks really fun, I'll probably just go to it. But if it's like back in the day when I was like coming up, I would kind of have this feeling that like, oh, I need to hit as many of these as I can because it's good exposure and all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I see you rolling your eyes. I can just speak to that. I remember yeah. that feeling. That's yeah. what it is. You know, I think um, the exposure thing. Now I like cringe at that word. Yeah. You know, because I'm like, eh, you know, like, what does that mean? But I feel you. I mean, I've done passion projects, passion events, just because I want to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, totally. But I definitely have been in situations where I'm like, how much did I spend on a plane ticket? And how much did I spend on materials to be here? And what am I getting back? Like, what is the actual profit? Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. So sometimes, you know, it's not. But yeah, there's a lot of risk, I think, in the festival world um of like you can have fun but also like if you don't sell on lot like i can't tell you how frustrated i've been at events where people like will come up to me and they're like i don't know why this bothers me the way that it does but they'll be like i love your art i just need to save my money for drugs and i'm like <laughs> really like, yeah i've had that for sure it's like sad you know but yeah. i um <laughs> never it's like you put a name to a face and like i think sometimes like even if it's something that I would consider like a bust, like you can have fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and I, maybe, I, yeah. I just want to make clear that I'm not like shitting on festivals because no, that's no, how no, no, I no, no, like no. came up. I'm sure like you have too. And, and I've learned a lot and love them and they're super fun and totally worth it. Um, but sometimes if you're just working the whole weekend and you know, you paid for a plane ticket and you ended up not really selling that much, as like an artist you're just kind of like oh and the older i get too i'm just like man 
fun, you know, does fun outweigh like the, the financial uh, risk there or the, even the physical risk now? Like, I think I'm about 10 years older than you. I'm like, I'm, how old are you? I'll be 36 in June. So yeah. Yeah. So you're just 10. Yep. Yeah. I'll be 26 in next week. Oh, happy early birthday. Thanks. (laughs) Um, For me, it's like, I mean, the thought of going to a festival now, like even because I'm, I scheduled my first vaccine dose appointment today because I found out that I'm um, like qualified for it, which is super exciting. Nice. Um, But even then I was like, I can go places. And then the second thought was like, but who's going to water my plants? Like, I was mm-hmm. just like, I don't want to go anywhere. Like, because <laughs> I get so invested in my routine. So you're talking about festivals. I'm like thinking like, man, I'm like, how am I going to work out in the morning? You know? And it's just like, I have this whole groove down. Yep. But for me, like whenever I would go to festivals, even like pre COVID, it was like, Oh my God, like I have to get out of my routine to do this. And it's always fun, but it's just like, that's usually what weighs out for me now. It's just like, Am I actually going to, you know, and that's, again, the boundaries thing. It's like that check-in conversation of like, okay, like, do I actually want to do this? Is it FOMO? Is it because I want to be like somewhere I'm not, you know, it's like, I have to kind of like figure out what that looks like for me. Um, I find that interesting. Yeah. And I think like, I don't know. I think that like, I mean, I have some homies that they just like need to be on lot like that's where people know them yeah you know yeah they know, for sure. know them on lot or like for me it's like i kind of am not known on lot like i remember one time i was on lot and someone was like yo that looks like post book and i was like hey hey it's me <laughs> what's up? that's me and they were like oh my god you know but it's just like yeah that was funny um but it was just like this really interesting moment where like i realized like maybe this isn't my market. <laughs> I love being a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. It's so much fun. Yeah. But like, sometimes I'm like, man, I just flew all the way out here and I could just, I don't know. I think the next things I do will probably be like more California centered. Cause that's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, versus like just going back to the East coast all the time for events. Is that where you're um, from? Just, I'm from DC. Yeah. DC. So okay. I, um, gotcha. That's where like most of the small festivals I know of are mm-hmm. like Camp Ramblewood forever. Like all the festivals that they used to get thrown there. <laughs> like those were, those were the fun ones in college and stuff, you know, but it's like, I can't be flying from LA to Baltimore to go to Camp Ramblewood, you know, like yeah, it's just not, sure. it's not monetarily worth it anymore sure. unless I'm just strictly there as Natasha having fun. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. I've talked about that recently. Like I, I just want to hit up a festival or an event and, not have to worry about anything and just dance and just have a really good time. Post COVID when it's safe to go to a festival again, that's what I'm going to do the first one like that. I'm just going to show up with a tent in my car and hang out and have fun and just enjoy it. Just because like, I didn't think I would miss that as much as I do, but like, it means so much to me, you know, to like have those experiences um, especially like, cause that is kind of like where I came from, you know? So it's like, I have to remember that too. And like, it's, I don't, I don't love, cause I worked in the music industry for like a, a bit and like, I don't really love the way that, um, there's like this whole like industry vibe and obviously like you play into it as much as you want to, like not everyone's about that. Sure. But like, to me, it's like, sometimes people all hear them like complaining about fans and stuff. And like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess in with art, it can be the same way. It's like, yo, these are the people who like support your career. Like, even if some of their opinions like do suck, you know, it's like, 
it's mm-hmm. it's not really worth it to me to kind of like broadcast that. Like right. I don't know. It's just like you're not better than your fans. No, like, you're just definitely yeah. not. It's a it's a synergistic relationship. Like you wouldn't exist without them, and they wouldn't hear that great music without you or see the great art without you. It's exactly. Some, it's something that I, I've really tried to cultivate in the last three or four years is just like talking to people and and like meeting them where they're at and having conversations hitting them back on uh instagram or dms or wherever um sometimes i fail at that as i'm sure we all do um but this this kind of segues into something i wanted to ask you about it it seems like you're really crushing the instagram game so congrats on that like <laughs> do you have any tips for me no <laughs> um sure <laughs> for artists who have like so i have trouble um with consistency and i'm also um you know i'm very aware of like my this little bone i have to pick with facebook in general for selling all our data and creating all these problems in the world um but like mm-hmm. how how are you so consistent? Cause I was looking through your Instagram and I swear, I don't think you've like missed a day since COVID maybe. I mean, I didn't go that far back, but like. Since December of 2018. Wow. I have not missed a day. Wow, no. dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so part of it is like, because I can like going back to that point of like the salad assembly, like I have, like in my kitchen, if we're going to keep using this analogy, sure. I have a lot of chopped vegetables already. So when I want to come in and make a salad, it's really not hard. When I want to come in and make some art, it yeah. can take me like 10, 15 minutes if I really put my mind to it and I have an idea. Yeah. Um, because the one thing, aside from my routine and aside from all my boundaries that I just cannot figure out how to turn off is my brain is constantly moving, constantly. Yeah, yeah. There's constantly ideas coming through. And I think that that's just an artist thing. But yeah. Um, so when I have one of those ideas and it's fully ready, it's like that you just, I'm ready to go. Um, it can take me sometimes 10, 15 minutes to do it. Um, and like I said in the very beginning, sometimes the easiest things to do are the simplest or the best things to do are the simplest. Um, and like, that is definitely my situation. Mm-hmm. A lot of what I do is magic. I think mm-hmm. people think it's a little bit more complex than it actually is. Um, I'm not going to go into that because I want to keep the magic. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All magic is, is, is boring when you know what it is. Right. Totally. But, um, I think that for me, like, uh, I, I can create really quickly. So I've watched you, I've watched you paint. I know how much (laughs) detail and dedication you put into each piece. And are you using acrylic or using oil paint? Uh, mostly acrylic. I use oil sometimes. Yeah. So, but even then with how detailed everything you're doing, it's going to take you, let me guess, five, six months, if not longer to make one, like that piece behind you. Is that yours? Uh, it is. It's well, it's a collaboration between, uh, uh, me and Jack Lightfoot who lives in the UK. He was over here at the end of 2019 and, and we, we vibed and we collabed and I, uh, I sort of finished it up, um, while he was gone. And yes, he, he in particular is very detailed. He'll take out like liner brushes, like two layers into the thing and it was really interesting working with him um shout out jack if you're listening but uh 
I've heard of his work before. It's super dope. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and he just goes, he's, he's quick with the details. I, I like shaping stuff when I get that detailed, but, um, I've also, yeah, I've also gotten way faster, like way, way faster. So same and slower at the same time. I used to be more, able to bang out work. Yeah. Like just factory Andy Warhol style soup can, you know, where yeah. like now I can, sometimes it takes longer cause I like need to sit on it. Um, mm-hmm. it just depends, but I think, like my output is so fast. That's like the one thing, just like with digital art, the way that I make it, it's really easy to make a lot of it. Like when I sit down in a session, I can make anywhere between one and like four pieces, just like in one session. Like I'll make like back to back to back to back. And it's like totally not stressful for me. When I first started, oh my God, I used to make like, I remember one time I was on a flight from LA to Boston or Boston to LA. It might've been the way home. And I made 10 pieces of art on this plane damn nice i didn't have anything else to do but like oh my god like and that output is just crazy that was yeah it was a cross-country flight it was about six hours that's a lot of art yeah you know and um i think i even played like minecraft on my phone at some point like (laughs) i like i like there was a whole like thing to that right yeah um so my output is really high compared to most artists but the other thing is I don't have any, um, where my output is high. I have no progress to show people. Sure. sure um, sure. you know what I mean? Like, it's really not interesting to show people what I do. Um, maybe yeah. it is. I don't know. I've had that conversation recently. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I've had, uh, I've had experience there like posting whips or whatever. And, uh, it just doesn't, I don't know why, but it, it usually doesn't like hit in the way that I want it to. And I just, here's kind of the the fulcrum point of my question here is like like if i don't have anything to share it just feels weird to share something just to share it you know like that that could be a pitfall right i mean no that's the secret is you never want to post just for the sake of posting yeah that's what like any of those like glitzy like influencer guru Mm -hmm. podcast (laughs) infographics will tell you if they're actually (laughs) solid yeah. They'll tell you don't post just for the sake of posting. Make sure every post you make is intentional. Yeah. Um, the secret now with what I'm doing is I have so much work that's just been catalog like it's been cataloged that like I could, if I need to, I can pull throwbacks and be sure, like, yeah, you know, yeah. this is something I made two years ago. And it's like I, I can fill it in if need be. Um, if I like don't have anything new to post. Cause there are times where like I really don't have any new work. I just am not inspired. I'm not people. I'm not out here making art every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I can make two, three sometimes in a session. I might do that twice a week, but like even then I'm like, I, I might change three of them. I might scrap one of them. You know, so it just like depends. Like not everything sure. I make is um something that I show people. I like to sometimes make really ugly art for no reason. Yeah, you know, stuff just for yourself. For no reason. Yeah, just for fun. Um, Can I show you something so, real quick? I probably yeah, no, like, I'm won't so put curious. this part in the podcast. But okay, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. You've got that Rusco haircut going on right now. I love it. <laughs> Hang on, I need to put headphones on so I can like hear your reaction. Oh my god, I love that. Is that an onion on her head? I don't know. 
who knows <laughs> it's like this it's is, like those, this um, is for me right oh it's oh, oh do you remember those uh the the spongebob like popsicles with the eye gum the gummy like the gumdrop eyeballs or whatever like that's what that looks like for me yeah <laughs> with Maybe... <an> onion <laughs> yeah i think i'm I a, like a, you know we're like a little like a decade apart i didn't watch spongebob dude it was like i was like too fucking cool for that shit when i was when it came out you know because i was the oh, age man. that i was <sighs> that's crazy but so you anyway. like grew up on like sublime and reggae and probably all that yeah, I mean, uh, like, I liked Sublime. Um, I think they blew up because you know he, Bradley Noel, OD'd or whatever. But um, still good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, dude, like making stuff for yourself that's just like weird, and and no one needs to see. I think it's I think it's pretty important. Like even getting back to like the mental health thing. Sometimes you just want to be like. Bah. And just let your id run loose on a piece of paper or on a, you know, in Photoshop, however you're doing it. I think it's important to do that. Yeah, journaling. Yeah, I I write. I mean, my creative, that creative, like, kind of happens in different ways, just beyond, like, visual art for me. Like, I write, I'll dance, I'll make food. Like, Mm -hmm. food to me is, like, a big thing. Um, Like, culinary, just, it's it's creative. Um, My hikes, you know, it's like the... I think it's so important because if I was only creating for work, it would be monotonous. <laughs> it, it just, yeah, it'd be monot- it would be soul sucking a little mm. bit. You know what I mean? Right, it's like, right. I need to do other things. It's like that work life balance, but like, I still yes. love making art. So it's like, I still love being creative. How do I find a way to be creative and like, you know, work and not want to chop my own head off? Because I yeah. think for most people, like if you are a tax analyst, you're not going to go home and like watch TV about tax analysts. You're probably going to go home and watch like the bachelor or, yeah. you know, I don't know, like the crown and you're going to mm-hmm. eat food and talk to your friends about like what Doug the pug did this week. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. so it's just like for us, it's like, I like to do my, I love my job and I don't love the phrase, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. It's like, no, do what it's you love opposite. and you'll never live a day in your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll never live. You'll just, you just always work if you don't put up boundaries, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I do think that like, um, just doing things for yourself that no one's going to see is so helpful though. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, there's, uh, just something about it too. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, then I get to try the things. Cause for me, the one thing I get really caught up with, especially since like Instagram is such a big part of my like career is like, sure. I get really caught up on like the risk factor. Like yeah. I have a lot to lose. Um, and because unfortunately, and I, I hate it when people say this out loud, but it is true. If Instagram were to get deleted tomorrow, you know, like I would just be another person. Mm. Um, I think they say that because they're jealous. But um, mm-hmm. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I have a lot to lose as far as like what the algorithm thinks of me. Like, if mm-hmm. I need to sell something because I have bills to pay, and that post doesn't get shown to, let's say, anyone. Um, like I had that happen last month. I, I, it, I mean, it did super well, like the algorithm, it hit and then no one bought it. Mm. And, um, that was really hard because like, I like covered some pretty expensive costs to get the, that printed and it like didn't hit. Was and it, it was that really kind of like holographic print. Yeah. And I it's like, that. those were, those were $30 to print. Yes. Yeah. 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 Plus I... $10 to ship. 
plus the cost to actually like get those things like get the mailers and like the supplies plus i actually need to make money off of them like that wasn't even that big of a profit margin i mean sometimes prints you know i mean you know prints can you can have 90 percent profit sometimes you know yeah, um, but, but you also those, provide something nice to the people who are paying for it, you know. And that's what those were. Yeah, they were like really good quality, like hand screen printed, and then no one wanted them, and it hurt so badly. Like I felt, I was so offended. I was like, "What did I do wrong?" And it was like a like, probably like eight hundred dollars. Like that's I had yeah. to front like a thousand bucks to get those printed. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I don't even think I recouped my cost on them. Mm. You know, yeah, and it's yeah. like, that sucks. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, that sometimes is like part of the game. So for me, it's like taking a risk, especially on the internet is difficult because sure. then I, um, I'm at risk of, you know, not having like a career. And I guess people like who mainly operate in like the festival scene, what is going on? Who like mainly operate in like the festival scene. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it, like they saw that this year with, covid right like the festival went away and they're like oh my god what do i do for money so it's like it's kind of it's the same problem in a different realm yeah um so i think that it's it's very relatable to a lot of people but i think that like it's terrifying when it happens and it was really hard for me to not take that personally um (laughs) yeah i think it wasn't personal (laughs) yeah like no one's like ah fuck post look you know (laughs) like like, but it's i think artists were so sensitive we're like if something doesn't work out, I'm like, it's me. What have I done wrong? Oh my gosh, this isn't yeah. a good painting, print, whatever, you know? And something I've noticed, it's it's really just like economics sometimes. I, I notice like if I, if I price like paper prints or like something that looks like paper, I know that was like a lenticular print, right? And it's like, or was it, Something it was different. holographic board printed CMYK like screen printed. It was like, like future shit. Real nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like uh it's hard to maybe educate your fans sometimes on like how nice this thing is that I'm making for you, you know? And so I've noticed that like with paper prints, if I price them Typically, if I price them more than 50, 60 bucks, it doesn't really fly off the shelves, you know. Um, but something That's I've noticed false. too, well, comparing the online world to the IRL world, like I'm really good at like when you meet someone at a festival, they're not just buying like the print, right? They're buying, they're kind of like, oh, like, this was this moment. It's going to remind me of this event and homie was really cool. And we like vibe for a few minutes and it seems like they're more willing to invest like in you as a person sometimes. Yes. Yes. And I think that that is definitely, I've seen that to be true. Um, and like, I think that with those, my first thought was like, I guess we can't have nice things. That was like my first thought. <laughs> like we yeah. can't have nice things. I mean, it's not false. I mean, people buy like my canvases all the time and stuff, yeah. you know, and those are well above a hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I think it was what you said. It was the perfect intersection of not having that, um, like relatability, right. You're not mm-hmm. in person. You're not buying the, like the, the vision. You're just getting, looking at the thing. Yeah. Plus, 
Um, what I, I got some feedback from people, they didn't love the design. So that was an oversight on my end. And then the price point with the timing, right? I think mm. people were like, oh, it's like a little too soon. You know, and it was just like, I think that it like was just like the perfect storm of like people aren't just, they're just not feeling it and that's fine. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that like those looked so much better in person than they ever would have. I mean, I was, know, just, I was impressed. Like, no, no bullshit. Not trying to just gas you up. I like that. I um, am also, it's also sometimes people just don't have 95 bucks to spend at that moment. You know, like you were saying. Yes. Well, they're still on my website, so they can buy them whenever they want. So yeah, <laughs> check it out. Um, what's your website? Just real quick. Postbook.com. One word, P-O-S-T-W-O-O-K.com. Nice. And you can find them on there. Yeah. But I mean, that's another thing with me is like a lot of what I was doing, because like a lot of what I do is like kind of like ode to festival land, right? Like sure. I do everything in limited editions as like paying homage to like, like pin sales. Sure. Like everything's limited edition literally because I want it to feel like the same way that people get when they get like those nice Ellie pins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's why everything is limited edition the way that it is. And like things used to sell out super fast and people were like, you need to be doing that all the time where now I'm like, sometimes people find me on a Wednesday and like there isn't a drop for another week and they really just want something. So like if they were to walk into a store, like even the Supreme store yeah. for the people, you know, the, the streetwear yeah, people, it's yeah. like every Thursday there's going to be a massive line outside. There's going to be people and they're going to be running to the cash register, but you can go there on a Sunday yeah. and still get, yeah. It's just not going to be the super exclusive stuff. Right, right, so, right. So, like, I kind of had to learn that, where it's like, if you were to walk into the Supreme store and there was one t-shirt, you'd be pissed. Uh, you wait in line for what, you know? <laughs> so it's like, that's kind of how I feel, where it's like, if I were to think about my website as a real store, mm -hmm. um, I need things in there. Yeah. So um, I have, like, a variation of things now, but everything is still, like, limited edition, whether it's, you know, timing, um, numbered, mostly timing and numbered. Or it's like open edition. It's only open for a certain amount of time. Sure. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So yeah, and I personally, I need to be better about what I'm about to say. But I've heard that um, just having things at nearly every price point you can think of is a good move. Like stickers, you know, five dollar stickers, ten dollar like postcard prints. $30 like open edition prints and then like you get into the limited canvas print original kind of kind of space um, so one thing just to pivot real quick again uh, that we haven't discussed that I wanted to get back to was the name post Wook, which mm -hmm. I love big fan <laughs> big fan because I, I know what that means like right off the top but if you would you explain to uh, anyone listening who might not just get that right off off the bat, like what that means? Yes, and then I want to hear what you think it means after because I'm really curious. Okay. Um. So for me, okay. Uh, I just I'll just back it up. So a wook is like a person who like goes to a festival or a show and like 
doesn't really have any money and like kind of tries to bum stuff off of you. If you've been to a festival, you've definitely interacted with one of these people. If you're, well, it depends on the kind of festival you're at, but yeah. you've been to a festival with jam bands. You've definitely met, met one of these people before. Sure. Um, and like that is kind of like what a Wook is. And then the whole idea behind the name is it pulls from like post rock, right? Like post rock music is not rock music, but right. it pulls influence from rock music to create something new. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea behind post Wook was like, it's like being a Wook. It's got that like festival groovy vibe, but it's not right. It's like more modern and refined. Um, so that was the idea behind post Wook. And like I said, you know, like pulling homage from, you know, pin sales and all that good stuff. Like to me, like that's kind of how I like keep that like kind of ethos alive without, you know, keeping it still super present. Cause some people, they'll never know that and they don't need to, you know, but to me, it's what's important. It's kind of like part of my why. So, um, Mm. that's pretty much what it means. Um, it has some other meanings for me. It it started as an inside joke actually at Mm. Halloween, like a million years ago. Nice. Um, (laughs) me and my friends. Yeah. So that's how the word started, but yeah, I kind of ran with it after a a point. It's it's really cool. Okay. So my meaning is or the way that I read it, I guess, is a little bit, a little bit different. Like, yes, definitely like a more refined, like psychedelia kind of vibe. You know, it's like if a if a book didn't ask you to borrow things all the time, but they're still going on tour. You know, like <laughs> that kind of thing. It, it's that's more, what it means personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're that, on the money. Yeah, yeah, and I like just to be completely transparent, I am post Wook and you are post Wook. And like a lot of people I know, it's, um, it's kind of, kind of the same concept as like, there's a company called post jaded. They do these things called visionary magnets. Have you seen those? No, I don't think I have shout outs to them and, uh, that whole crew. So visionary magnets are like, you know, they just have, it's like fridge magnets, right. With the words. Mm hmm. And so you can kind of make your own sentences or even, you know, if you wanted to, your own little silly manifesto with it. But it's like being able to poke fun at the like kind of like woo-woo visionary thing, which I I, I want to say right here and now that I love visionary art and I respect what they are doing and trying to do, um, elevating people to be more in touch, like with their psyche and, and their spirit, I guess. Um, but it's also kind of, you know, sometimes it gets a little like dogmatic in a way. Right. So like, anyway, post jaded is like, you're a person, you say you're 18, 19. That's when I started going to festivals. You get there and you're wide eyed and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is gonna save the world and if everybody just went to a festival and like maybe smoked some weed man like everything would be so great and then like after about four or five years maybe of doing that you sort of are like nothing's changed and you get jaded right and you're just like this is dumb that sucks why are we doing any of this but then like if you can kind of keep pushing and like come out on the other side uh (laughs) you can become post jaded to where like you can still make fun of stuff, but you also see the value in the thing that you love. And I, I kind of see parallels yes. between that and post book, right? Like where like, you know, you 
sometimes you got to bum a ride or bum a whatever to make it to the next thing. But then one day maybe you wake up and you're like, man, what, what am I doing? Like I need to like contribute something. Right. And, and you learn like, okay, let me just refine a few things so I can stand on my own and, and actually like give back to this, this world that I come from and maybe even society at large through like choosing to be an artist. So thanks for coming to my Ted talk and uh, I'll give the floor. Yeah, that, that was, <laughs> that was super on point. I think that that was kind of like what happened. I think for me, um, in the sense that like, what really happened was I was working that job that I absolutely hated. And I lied to my boss about going to a festival. Mm-hmm. Um, I told them that I was going um, on a backpacking trip with my parents. And if you are listening to this and you used to work with me, I am so sorry that I lied to you, <laughs> but I did. And I, I found like fake flights. Like I got really deep into the lie. Like I was like, they cannot know that I'm not going. Wow. Um and I went to this festival, I skipped a car payment and I um, made it happen. So I went on the premise of a lie, a missed car payment. And I took a flight that was like $60, like round trip, you know, like one of those crazy, like I only have a backpack on me kind of flights. Yeah. And I shipped all of my um, camping stuff. And then we went. And while I was there, it's like my brain was still in the office. Mm. Right. But okay. I was physically in the forest. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was just like this moment where I was like, this is post woke. This is it. <laughs> this is it. I was skipping car payments and, but still thinking like I was at work, you know? Uh. Um, and to me, like that was, that was the moment. And it's definitely changed. It's, it's evolved. It's matured since then. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot less like payments skipped and ride, bu- rides bummed, but it's a lot more, you know, like I can enjoy like the funky side of life and still have fun. And I think for me, like, the moment, cause I used to think like, Oh, I kind of like lost that vision. Like I don't have the audience that I thought I would. And then I made calendars ironically at the end of 2019 mm. and someone hit me up and they were like, I cannot wait to hang this in my cubicle. Mm. And I was like, Work. perfect. This is, <laughs> yeah. You are the person that I am looking for because that is exactly who I'm going for. It's the person who wears the crazy tie to their office party. Yeah, yeah. You know, like those are the people that like Postbook is truly for. It's for everyone, but those are the people that like I get up for in the morning because it's like they still have that personality. They still have that fun about them, mm-hmm. but they're not, you know, like completely still like in it. It's like they've learned how to kind of like evolve. It's not like just corporate culture, but it's also sure. like, just being able to kind of like be responsible, but then also, you know, like have fun, like work hard, play hard, basically. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's beautiful. I, I'm, uh, I'm again, big fan of the name and the work. So good job. Thank you. Uh, kind of a question off that, that sort of popped up. Like, did you, did you sort of do any sort of research to find, people who like fit that demographic that, that you were talking about? Research, like, what do you mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I don't know exactly like, or did you just, did you just create post book and then people were like, Oh, I get it. Um, well, I kind of like came out of like the festival scene. So I think that like, I already had like a big, rally of people behind me who just knew me in general Mm -hmm. um who like felt that so that was kind of like the starting point where like they already felt it and then their friends friends and then it kind of just went from there um so i think that like 
it wasn't like a cold connect. I think people got it from the get go just because like they were all kind of in that place too. Um, so I would say I didn't do research, but I definitely knew doing this would be like, I would get support just because I knew that like, I knew people in the festival scene. I saw other people. I was really inspired by other people who were like making it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, I think I could do that too. Yeah. So that's kind of what it came out of. So nice. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, well, yeah, we'll wrap up here in a second. Uh, I, I have one or maybe two last questions. Like, so what makes you tick and, or <laughs> why do you make art? Ooh, what makes me tick and why do I make art? Art makes me tick. <laughs> Making the art, the physical, it's a song and a dance while I'm doing it, right? It is mm-hmm. just truly like that process. Yeah. And um, I still really love a good political discourse. That also, just, it, it makes my brain feel that I've been in some rooms on Clubhouse that are like Q&As with like political figures. Mm. And oh my God, I love it. I love it so much. Really? So like those two things very separately uh-huh. make me tick. I don't always love having political conversations with like regular people where you, they can't get muted and, um, you know, because <laughs> then it can get heated and they don't, if they don't know how to talk about politics properly, it can get really ugly. Yeah. Like there's a way to talk about these things. And I think that not everyone has the ability to um, do that. To like, like, they, check they just their get emotions. way too yeah 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 or sometimes people are way too insensitive and it's like they're stabbing the other person's emotions so it's like it can get really ugly i think really quickly um yeah i didn't even realize that until i left dc because in dc you're trained to talk about those things so early it's like it's not a problem yeah um but definitely the the way that making the art feels is something that i i live for that feeling um the other thing like that feeling because I, I live in LA so there's a lot of mountains really close to beaches right mm-hmm. that feeling of rounding a corner of a mountain and seeing the ocean for the first time mm. that's a feeling that like if I had one day left on earth that's what I would do actually so real quick I was looking at your work and I there's one piece probably more than one and I love how you do the mountains and in, in like these different layers it's really cool, but Thank you. like there was, there was like sun, you know, it was kind of taken the, this one part of the photo was taken from a higher ground. So you could see like sunspots on certain parts of the trees. And I was just mm. like, oh man, I miss that so much. Like it, it really did m- make me like feel that, uh, connection to nature without being in nature and inspired me to like go on a hike soon, you know, like, or, or at least go outside more. And I mean, I, I've been on plenty of hikes, but, uh, yeah. So kudos, kudos on that. Um, and listeners, that's why I make art. (laughs) You just answered the second question. No, really? Like, I, I love that feeling of like, you feel like you've been transported into another world. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not the only reason I think for me, like the, the creative output, external, the external reason is definitely that I love hearing how it affects other people in this positive way. Like that keeps me going. It's definitely a part of it. But I think that if I were to completely put all my eggs in the basket of 
external validation, it just wouldn't work. Like right. even if no one liked my art, I would still make it. Right. Yeah. And I think that for me, it's really like the feeling of, I like to create little worlds. It's what I find really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels really good to make something different out of different like images and create something new. And that to me is the art in general, why I make the art the way that I do is, and I think that might be everyone, you know, it's like, we like to create something new yeah. um, and being able to like watching that finished product come together and it actually works. Um, and that's the thing too, with the, the sun and the, the light, like that's all, like, I'm not a render artist. I'm not adding shaders or anything to these yeah. things. Like I have to, it's a lot of like being a tastemaker and like knowing yeah. what works. So it's like, this light is, is angled at this place and this is angled here. These will work together. Yeah. And not everyone has that skill, right? You know, I can't sure. draw like a face, but like not everyone can do that either. And I think that that's totally. really important to recognize. Like not every linebacker and quarterback could switch places on the football field like it would it would be a disaster like we need we need people in different places so i think that um i think that like that's a big part of it is like having the eye um and that's part of the reason too for me is like i know i have this skill that i need to keep doing and it's like i almost feel like obligated to create because it's part of my purpose yeah um it's like what i have to be doing so um there's that aspect as well sweet well sweet thank you so much natasha appreciate you coming on yeah Thank you so much for asking me. This was like a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's super important, especially like, I mean, we're coming out of the, the lockdowns soon, hopefully. Um, and it's just super important to like have good conversations with, with new people. And so thanks for having the good faith and, and for being here. Yeah. I'll see you on clubhouse. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you everyone for listening and go check out Postwook at Postwook on Instagram and postwork.com is that right all right sweet (laughs) all right see you everybody do you want to learn about art maybe get fucked tune in to (laughs) art